Thanks for tuning in to the HR Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Lucinda Carney. The HR Uprising is focused on helping forward-thinking people professionals deliver real lasting value in their organisations. I'm a chartered psychologist, speaker and trainer, and recently authored the best-selling business book, How to Be a Change Superhero. My day job is founder and CEO of software and training business Actus. This gives me the opportunity to work with other businesses like yours. We are focused on building a better workplace for people wherever they are located with the help of our performance, learning and talent management software and our training and consultancy services. Every week on the podcast, I will be covering different topics and challenges, joined by relevant experts and real-life people professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoy and get value from this week's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast. And this week is a solo episode, so you're stuck with just me. What I thought I'd do is um, share some of the up-to-date research on employee engagement um, in a hybrid world because I recently ran a webinar on this during Easter, which was very well received, but it was during the Easter holidays, so not as many people attended as um, would usually. So I thought I would put it out on a wider platform because quite a number of people had asked me for the recording. So um, what I decided to do on this particular one, it was really looking, has engagement changed? What's the most up-to-date information around employee engagement? Of course, why is it important? And I'll talk about all of these things, I'm sure. We're all very familiar with the term. But what I tend to intend to cover during this episode is why employee engagement is particularly important right now as we're in this hybrid working environment. What can we do to measure and affect it? How can we be strategic about driving employee engagement? And again, as ever, I always try to come up with some practical ideas that you may be able to use to put it into action. So if we were to think about the classic definition of employee engagement, I went to various sources for this. Now, when I first came across the term employee engagement, it was probably about 20, 25 years ago, showing my age, when I was in-house as an L&D professional and we started working with Gallup, who still are... very much in this space and have made lots and lots of money out of it. So no doubt they do have a vested interest in creating engagement and making it a thing that you can measure with a set of questions. However, what a lot of the research that they've done is quite helpful and I found their 2022 um, Future of Work uh, documentation, and I'll put the links of of these references in the show notes, um, was really useful as to what they found. And I also went to the CIPD, who've done a great research review on that. And I know lots of listeners will be CIPD listeners. It is always a great source of real true evidence reviews. And if I look at the two different um, sources and actually all the other areas which have looked into engagement, you know, one of the things is no wonder we find it quite hard. It's a quite hard to define because I think it was the McLeod Review found over 50 definitions of engagement. So as I, I spoke to 50 of you, we may, may well all come up with different definitions. However, one of the things that we often see is people talk, is it actually a process or an output? Is it something that we do? People um, can be engaged by line managers or is it something that demonstrates that uh, we've got an energy that we're engaged with our jobs? But um, and in case it's something that's standalone because it doesn't necessarily sit separately from things like 
job satisfaction, motivation, um, even sort of self-efficacy, whether people have got those sort of natural inbuilt traits. Is it something that's actually intrinsic in terms of how people motivate comes from within or is it something that can be done to others? I suspect it's really all of these things. I don't suppose it matters too much how we define it, although I will share some definitions. I think the key is that it's important and the evidence still does suggest that it's a really important predictor of job performance and loads of other outputs. So it's very much worth us focusing on or being alert to it in these hybrid times. So in terms of the sort of messaging, um, personal role engagement would be a definition which is based on the work of Khan, K-A-H-N. And he talked about it being an employee's ability to express their preferred self in their work, both cognitively, emotionally and physically. And he said that if they can express themselves, they'll be energised, vigilant and feel connected to others. If they can't, then they'll withdraw. So that whole engagement, that's all about this this connection with our job. Interestingly, I think this links to that concept of strengths and playing to people's strengths and being in a job that's a good fit for you. So you can see how you're much more likely to have role engagement if you are in a job that fits and not all jobs would necessarily fall into that category, I suspect. Now, if you're talking about personal role engagement, well, that could potentially be done completely remotely with some roles. You don't even need any social element. But maybe it's the emotional aspect of that that's going to be key for us when we're thinking about hybrid working. The concept of having vigour towards work, whether we feel vigorous or energised, well, that is going to ebb and flow naturally. And I guess it's going to depend on how good the individual is at maintaining their energy levels. Uh, You know, actually, is somebody uh, very able to recharge? Have they got a style of working that enables themselves to recharge? Or are they even energised just by their engagement with their role? So personal role engagement, that's a definition. To a certain extent, I could see that that's going to be unaffected by hybrid working. But If we think about the emotional aspect and our ability to maintain our energy levels, then those aspects could be affected. The work engagement was another definition that um, came out of the CIPD work. And that was, again, talking about this sort of level of energy or the psychological state that's experienced by people um, by going through this. So they talk about vigour towards work, dedication to work and absorption in work activity. So it's a bit like um, being in flow and you've heard of that flow state. So if you're engaged now, again, that could be a momentary thing, actually. But CIPD, again, they talk about it as being the absolute antithesis of burnout. So what I'm seeing here is this whole ability to be engaged is all linked with our levels of energy. Um, in terms of these definitions that uh, when you drill into them and if hybrid working or remote working is is neutral on our levels of energy or is actually increasing our levels of energy, maybe because we're around our family and we're not exhausted by the commute, then actually potentially we could be more engaged. On the other hand, if we've got into the habit of not networking with others and we're not being energised and we've become introspective, then it could 
decrease engagement. So it's going to depend on the individual. And this was a conclusion that we came to in the webinar because webinars, if you ever want to sign up from one of the webinars that I do, I do two a month. One tends to be strategic, one tends to be more um, aimed at line managers, and they're always really interactive. So we get lots of chat going and lots of discussion, lots of polls and learn from the people who attend. So there was very much something there where we all thought a lot of it comes down to the individual. And this is the key. Engagement needs to be individualised, probably. We need to think about it less as a one size fits all, a process that's applied through the organisation. And we need to encourage the organisation and line managers to be able to personalise engagement, to tap into what engages that individual and uh, you know, blanket dragging everybody back in the office is probably not going to be engaging. And I'll talk about that a little bit. And then the good old Gallup definition is known as the willingness to go the extra mile for the company. And that's the people who are prepared to do more, not because they are scared and feel that they must run late, work late um, or demonstrate presenteeism. It's because they are committed to the goals and outcomes of the business. They enjoy what they do and they want to deliver. So that's kind of the type of engaged employee, wherever they are located. And obviously, if they have no energy or are burnt out, they're not going to do that. Then this is what we're after. That's our kind of level of, of engagement with is employees who are really keen to do what it takes to be successful um, on behalf of the organisation, to put their energy into um, making the organisation more successful. So some definitions and some thoughts about it. Why is it important? Well, engagement is a predictor of job performance. Now that fact has been out there and is really not disputed anymore. However, the Gallup um, survey, the Workplace Outcomes Report in 2022, came up with some specific findings, which I think are worth sharing. So they suggested that only 15% of employees worldwide would actually come across as being engaged at the moment. Now, that is quite a lot less than it was in previous years. Uh, they do have some regional variation in it, but they identified that if you are comparing a top quartile business unit or team with a bottom quartile in terms of the way they measure engagement using their Q12 survey, that the difference in engagement could be um, explaining up to 81% of absenteeism. So uh, you know, the bottom quartile would have 81% more absenteeism than the top quartile. And this is potentially in the same organisation, but different teams that are engaged differently, which suggests that the actual engagement comes down to the line manager. In fact, the stat that they suggest is that 70% of engagement comes down to the line manager. They also suggested that in terms of attrition or turnover of people, 18 to 43%, depending on the type of um, organisation or the sector, uh, could be attributed to engagement. 64% of safety incidents, which is quite key, and it reminds me of, I think it was a 2012 King's report where it's showing that actually disengagement correlated with morbidity, with people having accidents in hospitals and actually dying. Um, so this was safety, more broad safety in terms of health and safety incidents. 41% quality, 18% productivity, so um, sales, and 23% profitability. So some pretty significant business outcomes there. And if you want to make a business case for training your line managers um, and making sure your line managers are more effective and more aware of how to engage their people, then I would suggest that those statistics could be useful to you. 
and we'll make these available if anyone wants to download this so they can access them. Or to be honest, you just go and Google the Gallup 2022 Workplace Outcomes Report and you can download it yourself. So thinking about what drives engagement, well, we um, we carried out a poll of this to see what um, most people um, were engaged by. And I thought it was quite interesting because I've got key drivers here that I'll run through and then I'll share the results that we got when I did the poll. So one of the main ones is having a supportive manager. The next one is clarity of role and alignment with strategic purpose. And actually, as I go through these, think to yourself, is this a driver of engagement for me? So, or is it, or is it not? Is it neutral or even disengaging? So having a supportive manager, clarity of role and alignment with strategic purpose, ongoing conversations with quality, timely feedback, trust, autonomy and empowerment, opportunities to learn and grow in the organisation, level of fit or belonging within the organisational culture, regular strength-based conversations, or my own natural psychological state, such as self-efficacy, resilience, and my natural confidence in my own ability, i.e. I engage myself or don't engage myself, and that's the main drive for engagement for me. So have a think which of those is the one that you'd choose. If you were just choosing one or two, which would it be? And I'll share with you the results that came out when we ran the webinar. So of the audience that responded to this within the webinar, everybody chose, all, all of those um, drivers of engagement were selected at least once, um, which isn't surprising because they are known to be key drivers of engagement. So if you want to start by looking at your organisation as to how to uh, improve engagement, then some of these are worth looking at and investigating and considering how effective you are in each of those. However, the number one uh, one that people chose was trust, autonomy and empowerment. Now that is highly, highly relevant to being in a hybrid world and also it's very relevant when some organisations are trying to demand that people come back to the office without necessarily being really clear why. Um, so I think that's quite worth coming back to. But just staying with the other ones, the second most important one was having a supportive manager. So going back to management development. Uh, the third was opportunities to learn and grow. And the fourth was clarity of role and alignment with strategic purpose. Now, as I say, all of these have a part to play. And in fairness, um, ongoing conversations, clarity of role, all link into management skills, including strength-based conversations. Many of these things um, fit into how we talk to, you know, the conversations we have with our line manager and their behaviours are going to drive engagement. And as I said before, the line manager accounts for 70% of the variance in team engagement, according to Gallup. But if I just focus on this concept of trust, autonomy and empowerment, it's really worth reflecting on. I don't think that one used to come out quite as high previously, going from memory. Certainly flexibility, perhaps people did like flexibility and autonomy has often been something that's linked to job satisfaction. But with many people being forced to work remotely and then working out how to do it and then realising that they are more autonomous and not just autonomous at work, they also are autonomous in how they spend their time because they are free to exercise before work, to, you know, walk the dog at lunchtime. They have so much more relative freedom and empowerment than they were used to having before. And then an organisation, and they continue to perform, let's assume that's the case, then an organisation starts to insist that they come back into the office five days a week. Well, 
that isn't going to that's not going to engage, is it? In fact, it's going to do the total opposite. So I suppose the one thing I would say, take away from here, if you are in an HR team or, you know, you're, you're in an organisation where, uh, you know, I understand that people, we still need people to interact. There are things that we need to, people to do in the office. We don't want people to become completely estranged from from each other. We need people to have relationships and be able to share information and make sure it's not so transactional because actually we will lose people. There will be attrition if people uh, don't sort of have some sort of personal connection with work, but bluntly demanding that people come in when they have been productive prior and without a really good reason. You know, so not saying come in for a team meeting or come in for some training, saying you've just got to be in X number of days a week without consultation is probably going to disengage. And I'd say it's really dangerous. So perhaps it's worth getting people to think about this because it's quite strange, really, isn't it? That if we've trusted people during the pandemic to get on and do their jobs, then why can't we continue to do that? And it's really the problem, the fact that we don't trust our line managers to manage and engage our people properly. And if that's the problem, then maybe we need to solve the problem, which is making sure that we have skilled managers and give no skills and the expectations for them to manage, empower and engage their people. Food for thought, basically. Um, and I thought it was quite relevant given where we are at the moment. And do let me know whether you agree or otherwise. In terms of the, uh, going back to some of the Gallup's feedback, where I said that they, they, um, they say that the line manager accounts for 70% of the variance in team engagement. And they said that the past was very much about these sorts of mindsets. So thinking about my salary, uh, the concept of job satisfaction, you know, my boss being in charge, my appraisal, my development gaps, um, and my job, that kind of mentality. They propose that the future mentality, the mentality that we want for engaged future people and the one in which we need our line managers to inspire is my purpose. So tapping into individuals' purpose, their strengths, their values, and aligning them with the organisation. Thinking about individuals' development, where they're going, what they can do, their career paths. Being a coach rather than directive as a manager. Having regular conversations, not just once a year. And those conversations should include strengths rather than gaps. Helping people to belong and work to their strengths. And actually, fundamentally, we've all been through a period of time where it's been about, you know, animals, dogs, our whole lives have been visible on whatever virtual teams, teams or Zoom or whatever it is that we've used. We've, it's been a whole life that's been visible at work, potentially, and seeing it like that rather than expecting people to go back to completely segment. So that's the sort of mindset that we need online managers to shift if they're to help get better out of people uh, if they're going to engage people. But it is harder work because you've got to work on an individual basis. It isn't going to be one size fits all. So I've talked a little bit about what the impact of remote working is. And certainly I think pushing people back to the office is high risk. We talked earlier about engagement and maintaining energy because engagement is the antithesis of burnout, which is what was said in the CIPD report. But how can we engage people get them to work together to play together to get to know each other what can we do to facilitate quality interactions with individuals where those relationships and sense of belonging 
and loyalty to the organisation is strong, but without necessarily just expecting people to come into the office five days a week, because that's a very blunt stick. Well, I think it is about um, communicating. I think it's about maybe talking to our people and saying, well, what would work for them? What engages them? What do they need? It's if we want people to come in, then let's treat them like adults and say, we, we don't want the offices to be tumbleweed. We don't want it where we get to the point where no one knows each other. We need to have a sense of team. But let's therefore be intentional about when and how we connect and commit to it and get people to buy into how that's done. I think the sort of forced fun, most people have got over that and that's less effective. So getting a, a Zoom bingo is going to have low take up. But are the things that you can do where different individuals work together on specific projects, uh, whether it's virtual or otherwise, where they actually get to know each other more effectively. And, uh, you know, you can you can just f create opportunities where people need to collaborate in order to achieve real results. And in doing so, they get to know what it's like to work well together and they build relationships. So it's forming almost those matrices, but those creating those opportunities to work together. So helping people to think about how they communicate, thinking about how they work with each other, uh, being inclusive and intentional about connecting. Some of it's also about saying, even though I know you can do your job brilliantly 100% of the time at home, you have a team of people or we have new starters and actually we're one organisation. So we need to have opportunities where informal communication or collaboration can, go, can take place. When would it work for you to do that? And let's schedule it in. So we are involving people in coming up with an adult-adult solution as opposed to prescribing something which is a parent-child type approach and is going to disengage people and frustrate people and possibly get people to vote with their feet. My final thoughts really are practical applications in terms of that hybrid setting. Um, and on top of this whole idea about just think quite carefully about whether you are basically suggesting that you don't trust people by asking them to work in a different way from the way they've worked for the last two years successfully. So what you want to encourage is creating form, creating routes for intentional and frequent communication that's not transactional. So I'd say things like projects where people could work together. Um, so having opportunities where different skills can come together and collaborate, whether virtually or, other, or otherwise, in order to achieve helpful outcomes. So maybe someone has to collaborate on a project, maybe they, and they, maybe they need to uh, work together on a customer solution or a new piece of marketing or a web page or a product design, but things where individuals aren't working in silos, you actually set um, outputs and outcomes where individuals can work together to achieve them. So it's forcing that interaction, that collaboration. Do try to schedule in opportunities for social renewal. So whether it's things like lunch and learns, um, some relationship building for new starters in, perhaps you can get everybody together um, in the office on certain occasions like that, and opportunities for collaboration. This is really about organising and scheduling, I think, rather than leaving it to chance and making sure there is a purpose. Um, so it might be so just being sociable for the sake of it, but making sure people know why it's helpful for them to come together individually. And if they still have really high anxiety about COVID, then forcing people to do things isn't going to be a good idea. 
It's really important to make sure that your managers are giving clarity and feedback, developing people, coaching them, but without affecting their autonomy. And that really means are those managers agreeing agreeing specific goals that people can work to and, and reviewing against them? That's the foundation of performance management is clear goals, regular regular feedback. And that's what drives high performance. It's been the same case for 50 years and we're still not very good at it. In a hybrid remote environment, it's so important. It's so much more important because it's less visible what people are doing. So managers need to have those skills. If they haven't got those skills, really is time to ensure that they develop them, they get them and, and they're embedded uh, endemically throughout your organisation. Then, of course, think about whether the remote culture might be affecting individuals' sense of fit, because the culture can change by everyone working in a hybrid way. Do people chat in certain ways? Uh, does it feel different to work for your organisation? Is there a risk that even like it might be perceived that the values have changed because people are less helpful or less friendly? Maybe you had something there. And that could mean that individuals don't feel they belong anymore. That's worth being alert to and trying to nip it in the bud because people, whether people feel they belong or fit is a, to a certain extent going to be, again, it could be down to the line manager, whether or not the line manager spots that person's strengths and gives them activities or values those strengths um, and allows them to play to those strengths. Um, if they are able to do that, then they're going to feel they fit, they belong, and they're going to be engaged and less likely to leave. If they're really just left left to their own devices and we don't even understand what their strengths are and we don't utilise them, then actually they're highly less, highly unlikely to be engaged. And then of course it seems common sense, ask people what they want. How do they want to be developed? That's still really, really important. Um, and we are all learning and we don't have to go on formal training courses, although that can be a good social opportunity. Um, so ask people what they want, give them opportunities for learning and growth. Talk to your people. What can we do to make sure that we have an engaging uh, collaborative environment? How do we continue to live our values in a hybrid environment? Um, if we want to make sure that people do come into the office some of the time just to create that sense of team, What's the best way to do it? How do we do it without affecting autonomy? And being really clear that we're not doing it because we don't trust people, we're doing it because we want to create a great place to work where we can collaborate and people feel they belong. It's an entirely different message from just saying, you've just got to come back in because you've got to. Because, it, because, I, because I say so. Because that's not going to, that's treating people like children and it's really not going to work. So I hope there's some food for thought there. I realise there's a little bit of a, stream of consciousness but some thoughts about you know has engagement changed not really but it still really is about line managers it's probably more important than ever before the main thing to be aware of is make sure that nothing that's going on is going to affect people's sense of autonomy because they really really value that that's one of the most key and also have you got managers who are prepared to work out what engages the individuals in their team as opposed to uh, just basically work by their own preference or what suits them because that's going to be the key to tapping into that discretionary effort that everybody is able to give as opposed to just expecting people to come in for the sake of it do their hours because actually you don't necessarily get engagement by bringing into an office so ask people talk to people treat them like adults um, and and really consider are, is there anything that's going on in your organisation that could actually be at, to the detriment of engagement? 
because the difference between highly engaged organisations and highly disengaged teams or organisations is massive from every element from safety to profitability. So I hope that was uh, interesting. Again, if you go to the website, you'll be able to get some of the links, the references that I've talked about there. And uh, if you want to look at training, we still run um, our virtual manager training program, still really popular. We've got an open course kicking off, I think in June. So that might be worth looking at if you want to do that. We run it in-house or we run it as an open course. And we've also just launched Impact and Influence, which is quite a good program for people who are not managers yet, but managers of the future. So if you've got a gap and people are looking for development, either of those training courses might be worth taking a look at. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. I hope you found it of interest and of use and tune in again next week. I really hope you found this week's episode useful and enjoyable. If you did, perhaps you could recommend us to a friend or colleague or give us a review on your platform of choice. It really helps new listeners to find us. Now you can access links to any of the information mentioned in this show via the website www.hruprising.com. Further free resources are also available at www.actus.co.uk. There you can also find out more about our software and training solutions. Finally, why not join our LinkedIn group, The HR Uprising, to share ideas and collaborate with other like-minded people professionals. Thank you for listening to The HR Uprising podcast.